Spider Blood. Spider Blood. Radioactive. Spider Blood. Welcome, loyal listeners. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Radioactive Spider Pod, the podcast that looks back in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon and asks, in Soviet Russia, does Spider-Man you? Here to bring you episode 54, Six Forgotten Warriors, I'm your host, the memorable Kevin McAvoy. You're etched in my memory every... No, I don't... uh... Yeah, swing and a miss. (laughs) And joining me as always, my fellow Red Menaces, the venerated Vero Taylor. Think about me all the time. Time after time. And the puttering Peter Iskandar. Yep, another accurate description. (laughs) I'm just on fire with these. Uh, Just a reminder, we'll be posting screenshots from this episode and other good stuff on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Give us a follow if you'd be so kind. All the links are on the web at RadioactiveSpiderPod.com. And we're also on Patreon with exclusive bonus episodes, outtakes, and oddities. Patreon.com slash RadioactiveSpiderPod if you want to support the show. And once again, it's time to raise our glasses. And in honor of Season 5's field trip to Mother Russia, we'll be celebrating with cocktails featuring a whole lot of vodka. So quit stalling and tell me what you're drinking today, boys. I got myself a lemonade and vodka. I'm drinking Kettle One vodka today. I've got myself a beer because I didn't get the memo. I wrote it to you. Sent it in the group chat. I And you even went Pink Whitney in big letters. So I got a double IPA <laughs> okay, <wow>. from Collective <laughs> Arts. You fucking asshole. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I myself am going to abide with this theme by channeling my inner dude and having myself a white Russian. Well, it sounds like we're uh, more juiced up than a vintage Yeltsin. So let's get eager to enlist and get down to disregard because we're getting the crew back together for Spider-Man episode 54, Six Forgotten Warriors. Six Forgotten Warriors Chapter 1 first aired September 19th of 1997 and was written by John Semper, the Semper Senpai. It's only very loosely based on The Amazing Spider-Man number 365, which means it's time for a cloak and dagger edition of Peter's Comic Book Minute. Peter's Comic Book Minute. Going back to the uh, Peter's Character Rundown series, because again, I didn't realize this was based off of anything. He's going to do a character rundown of Richard and Mary Parker, Peter Parker's parents. Peter's character rundown. Peter's character rundown. Peter Parker's parents. <laughs> Richard and Mary Parker first appeared in a flashback in Amazing Spider-Man Annual number five, but then appeared fully in Untold Tales of Spider-Man number one in 1997. Captain Richard Parker, a decorated soldier of the United States Army Special Forces, was recruited by Nick Fury to the CIA. Mary Fitzpatrick was the daughter of OSS agent Wild Will Fitzpatrick. She attended the best schools and eventually followed her father's footsteps, becoming a CIA translator and data analyst. 
Richard and Mary met on the job, fell in love, and got married. Originally, they eloped, later having more elaborate service, fooling many. Mary became a field agent like Richard, giving them both an easy cover as a married couple. They were assigned to investigate Baroness Adelicia von Krupp, who had captured an agent of a friendly power, who turned out to be Logan or Wolverine, then Canadian operative called Agent 10. Right. They rescued Logan from the Baroness and Baron Wolfgang von Strucker, Hydra. Ah. After that, they discovered Mary was pregnant. Logan was actually the first person to congratulate the Parkers, commenting later that he never saw an agent as tough as Richard Parker go that white so fast. <laughs> While on a mission to investigate Albert Malik, the third Red Skull, they posed as traitors and double agents to infiltrate the criminal organization in Algeria, ultimately being discovered. Malik had an assassin kill the two by sabotaging their airplane and causing it to crash. They were subsequently declared missing in action slash presumed dead, as two burnt bodies were found in the remains. Dang. Yeah, no key issues here other than the ones I mentioned before, because who gives a shit about Peter Parker's parents? I did do a little bit of looking into it, and uh, Semper Senpai had actually mentioned uh, where he got the idea for this episode. Apparently, he had some idea for a screenplay, kind of a ripoff a bit of The Watchmen, and he ended up grafting it onto this show, pulling from some illegally acquired microfiche copies of pre-Marvel Timely Comics characters, and then uh, a little bit of a germ of the idea about Peter's parents being spies from Amazing Spider-Man 365. And that's basically where this four-episode arc is going to come from. Oh, yeah. And it turns out that um, they return in the comics and turn out to be life model decoys created by the chameleon. And, uh, yeah, that's it. What? <laughs> oh, no. All of our fancy equipment is coated in these copious <laughs> spit takes that we're doing. Uh, well, our episode begins with a normal day in New York City, or so you'd think, but an older gentleman hails a cab and it quickly takes to the skies, docking where else but S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. The mystery man is one Keen Marlowe, a retired agent summoned by Nick Fury to help stop a colossal threat to national security, May Parker. At first I thought that this was that pesky John Hardesky. <laughs> Ah! I'm like, well, why'd they bring him back? I thought he was already in jail. He was, he was, no, he got out for good behavior. I don't know. Fine mustachery. <laughs> yeah, that's a crime. And he's, it's literally just like Hardesky on steroids, though. Same mustache and everything. He's huskier than Hardesky. He's a husky Hardesky. <laughs> I know too much. Knowing that the man who's hailing the cab knows that it turns into a plane, it would have been funny if someone's like, hey, that's my cab. Or just like, hey, can we split? And he just decks him. Get out of here. Yeah, what happens if someone actually goes and hails this cab? Guess he drives around the block a couple times. Like, do they actually operate as a cab? Couldn't it have just been a regular car? That Like, why is it a cab? Well, he, uh, he ends up talking to Nick Fury. And Nick Fury is immediately asking him for shit. He says, uh, Sorry to yank you out of retirement, Commander, but I've got a problem only you can solve. We need to steal KFC's original recipe. <laughs> we got to find out about those spices. Hello, is the colonel in? He's dead. The colonel. <laughs> Who is an old war dog. Yeah, nipping yep. at his heels. That was not a bad turn of phrase. Fury, this is the most sophisticated organization ever created. Can't you run it without an old war dog like me nipping at your heels? It reminded me of Michael Fassbender's character in Inglorious Bastards. Just that, like exchange him and Mike Myers have. Mm. What should we drink to, sir? Well, um, down with Hitler. All the way down, sir. Yes. So Keen Marlowe is played here by actor Roy Daltrey, whose career spanned over 50 years in film, television, and other things. Uh, his last role before he died a few years back was a pyromancer, uh, Hylan, 
from Game of Thrones back when that was a show you still wanted to be associated with. <laughs> and he actually was also the narrator for the uh, audiobooks for A Song of Ice and Fire. Well, he's got a great voice. So. He is definitely proper British. I was just looking at it. Apparently, he holds the Guinness World Record for most character voices in an audiobook by an individual. Oh. Huh. That makes sense. For Song of Ice and Fire. I've actually listened to those. Like That's how I, I, I got through like three of those books was through audiobooks. So I guess I actually have heard him do them, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, Fury is like, I need your help. This person will destroy the world. And it turns to the big reveal. And it's actually Fury on a bearskin rug, like cheeks exposed, like looking back. Oh, shit. Wrong disc. <laughs> ignore that. Ignore that. And he's like, fuck, 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 fuck. This person is on the verge of unleashing a force that could destroy us all. No, you must stop. May Parker. The puss can't possibly be that snapping, can it? It's so fine, it'll destroy the world as we know it. Ben Parker was a national hero for not dying of dehydration on his honeymoon. <laughs> but I fucking knew it. We've said this before. Aunt May is the fucking brains behind it all. She's the real yeah, fucking right. kingpin. Yeah, she's... She- <laughs> we told what we've said it before. She's an or she's a crime boss. I like this uh, kind of hacky vintage comic book sort of opening. You know what I mean? It reminded me of like an old Jimmy Olsen comic or something where it's it's always the most preposterous bullshit with like secondary characters like Jimmy Olsen's going to eat the sun. How is Superman going to stop him? Like, <laughs> of course, Aunt May is instrumental to bringing down America. Like, of course she is. And it's just like her face in front of a first sale sign like, ah. <laughs> well, the setup continues here, and that takes us all the way to sunny Moscow, Russia. An old man runs from a smoking hot lady of unknown faction named Silver Sable and her fleet of flying cars. When he's cornered, he tries to take out his pursuers with a laser cane, but is knocked unconscious by a gas-emitting diamond. Yeah. Geezer napping quickly hits the newswire, and it's picked up by Triple J at the Bugle, who's shocked to see Dr. Wolfgang Goetzig, a World War II German scientist, was the target. Robbie seems less interested, except he then relays that information to an unknown third party. Intrigue. Dun, 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 dun. We're in Russia. Is this our first international relocation? Yeah, I don't think he's uh, been outside of the U.S. yet. Like officially, because like, you see flashbacks of Craven. What about Blade? Yeah, he goes to Europe or whatever, generic Europe, but um, this is the first time Spider-Man's gone. Yeah, for sure. Since this episode is a bit of a mystery, I decided to do a little Soviet-style spy Jigsaw Jameson digging. Jigsaw Jameson is back! Because you can see several distinct landmarks in our establishing shot of Moscow. There's uh, Nikolskia Tower with its star at the top, then St. Basil's Cathedral, and then Spaskaya Bashnika, the, the clock tower there, and then the Senate as well. Um, it's all a little jumbled, but all that shit's in Red Square in the heart of Moscow, so it makes sense. But it's framed with a uh, an arch here, with a man and a woman holding a bushel of wheat, and that is the Arka Glavnyoga uh, Vikhoda, which is located 9.2 kilometers away in real life. So that's a colossal blunder, my friends. Oh! Wow, Kevin, do you know Russian? Enough. Do you speak any Russian, Robbie? Enough. So, whole shit. Silver Sable, they didn't even need to say her name. They just kind of assumed it was because it's just a Russian character with white hair and gray, I guess, tights. 
<laughs> and, a, and a rocking bod in those tights. No, I'm ca- you can cut that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, <laughs> I love that she has those goggles there that give you an overlay of the streets so she can chase this old guy in her Mercedes. And it's like, well, what do you have to dream up future tech that's like so crazy? But like now we can just do it with a cell phone. Yeah. This is the uh, prototype for the Uber Eats tracking software because it's that little dot yeah. <laughs> in that 2D city. <laughs> doot, doot, doot. This is like tracking him down because you've got his hot chicken here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it goes right through me. Be sure to give me the five stars. <laughs> Silver Sable is played here by uh, Mira Furlan, uh, who's a Yugoslavian actress uh, at the time just transitioning into North American media. Uh, best known for her roles as uh, Delon in Babylon 5 and Daniel Russo on Lost. Speaking of voice acting, I will say that the guy voicing Goitzig. Um, pretty decent, like out of shape breathing. <laughs> I felt nervous for him. Like you could tell he was like, oh, I'm out of, I can't keep running anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. pretty cold. It's Moscow, you know, it hurts yeah, to so run I- in the cold. Yeah, they probably had a contest that a fan can go and do a voice if they like send in three hundred fucking like chicken nuggets boxes or whatever, and that's chicken all they could get the guy to do. <laughs> all right, we really need you to do a pants. pivotal scene. Just it seems really okay. inappropriate. To no, just that's come all. In here like he pant. walked up to the mic, and then that's all he was able to do. Just pant in. Just ah, we'll fucking use it somewhere. You think he's a feeble old man, and it's surprise laser cane, right? Didn't see that coming. Yep. None of this, like you still see any of this coming. Like he shoots lasers out of the bottom of a cane and she throws a diamond at him. Like, I think it was from her ring because you briefly see it in a shot before that. But like, the why does the diamond emit gas? Well, isn't Silver Sable, she has like the skills and everything, but she's also got a lot of tech as well. Yeah, because I think she like runs a country or something. It's like the shitty one next to Dr. Doom's country. Old Latveria. <laughs> Simcaria. Yeah. Well, Jameson finds out about this stuff and he starts losing his mind about this story. Like, it's just so that we can provide some exposition or whatever. But, like, Robbie's just standing in the background like, I don't give a shit about any of this. Like, like yeah, Grandpa, I'm sure, it, you know, this was very interesting back in the day. But he's just, like, blank-faced. I love Triple J here reading the Newswire. Robbie, get a load of this item on the Newswire. German WW2 enemy scientist, Dr. Wolfgang Greitzig, long presumed dead, has been kidnapped. Like, why doesn't he just say World War II? It's so many less syllables. Like, why is he reading exactly what he says? The WW2, it's like that old-timey way of saying it. We don't want to have to bail you guys out again like after WW2. He's He's an old army vet, isn't he? Well, he was, uh, he was a pilot, wasn't he? Jameson, you're an old Navy man. You drive. You know your way around some semen. Huh? Me? How fucking old is Triple J that he remembers <laughs> that the guy was big in the news in the four, 50 fucking years ago? Yeah. Uh, he's clearly a baby reading the newspaper. Like, he's yeah. one of those. Like, he's got a fucking mustache at the age of one. <laughs> right? He could have read it in the paper in the late 40s. That's when they were hunting Nazis, right? I know. I think I still think you're saying that wrong. I don't think that's true. Killing Nazis. Nazis. Monsters. Yeah. Robbie like rushes off to, to call his shady cohort that you're never really told who he is. 
uh, and he just dials seven numbers, and they're all nines. <laughs> like he just hits nine over and over again. This is Robbie Robertson. I just got some very bad news. They're not doing the McRib anymore. <laughs> I guess pork prices spiked. That's too bad. Uh, did Robbie just call like the comic book version of himself? Because in the comics, Robbie is drawn with white hair, but in this the cartoon, they have him with brown hair. But they Maybe. just call the guy, and all you see is the back of his head, and it's just a guy with white hair. It could just be Robbie. Of- Maybe he's got like some sort of like trans-dimensional club of himself. <laughs> yeah. It's like the League of Extraordinary Gentle Robbies. And it's just all different. It's different like multiverse Robbies, and they're all working together to protect the timeline. He's this is this is Earth two three five six Robbie. Yeah, that's exactly like Reed, the League of Reed Richards or whatever. <laughs> Inter no interdimensional Council of Reeds. <laughs> Sounds like the Council of Ricks. Now that you bring it up, it is actually very similar. Oh, it does sound like the Council of Ricks. First appearance was October two thousand nine. So this was first. Oh, well, we just figured out that show. There you go. in Queens, the Watsons and the Parkers are having a nice brunch with a side of bombshell. May is selling the house and shacking up with Anna Watson just like Vero called a couple of episodes ago. However, May is shaken to her core when she sees the headline in the paper detailing the re-emergence of that old kraut, which piques Peter's interest. This is another example of Aunt May trying to tell Peter about her and Anna's relationship and Peter just like immediately thinking about himself. You don't want us to be lonely now, do you? Uh, Of course not. It's just that this is where I I grew up with you and Uncle Ben after my parents died. Uh, I should say you were half right, Vero. You said that uh, one of the ladies should move in with the other and then give the money from selling the house to the kids. Um, but here they're going to do that and not give them the money. Nope. <laughs> They'll just be investing it in gin and tea cozies and Brussels sprouts and marital aids and, you know, every all that sort of good stuff. Wait a second, marital aids? <laughs> hey, what? Huh? What? <laughs> uh, just checking. I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, Anna Watson's sticking with her strategy being a colossal bitch. But uh, it does raise a good point that uh, Peter's objection here doesn't really make any goddamn sense. I know it's just a way to remind the audience about his living situation and that his parents are missing and stuff. But like you could have spun it as a, are you sure you're okay leaving all these memories? Like him saying that just doesn't, doesn't resonate at all with me. Yeah. No, I agree. When my parents sold their house, like, you know, I'm sad to see it go, but like it was more them that was attached to the house. Are you going to be okay leaving? Aunt Anna here is uh, complaining to Mary Jane about this whole situation as usual. And Aunt Anna says, Just like him, always thinking about himself. Aunt Anna, I am Peter's wife now. That doesn't mean I have to like him. Aunt Anna, be more quiet. And Aunt Anna's just like, no, you shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Aunt Anna, I'm Peter's wife now. Finally, stop it. (laughs) She's like, no. Stop it. Get some help. (laughs) And then you just hear this crash, right? And uh, Aunt May is in the other room. She dropped a tray or some shit. And uh, Peter comes in and he's like suspicious instantly. I've seen Aunt May upset, but never agitated like this. Uh, those are synonyms. Like I'd argue <laughs> that if you were to rank them by strongness of emotion, upset is worse than agitated. 
Like, but like, yeah. what the hell does that even mean? Like, she's upset, but never as agitated. Like, she's so flustered, she's nearly troubled. Like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Someone's I, been reading the thesaurus. Oh. I do use the thesaurus a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious with the fucking names and, and like, <laughs> yeah. all the other Every shit Every day on do. that thing. Free shout out to uh, rhymezone.com and thesaurus.com. Yeah. So, see, for me, though, I thought that Aunt May finally became lucid and read the date on the newspaper and realized she missed the last 30 years of her life because she was drowning in fucking alcohol. Because <laughs> it's been cl- because with Anna, they're now a clear, sober relationship. Like, <laughs> Well, they just go and they show her like upset and then they show the newspaper. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I am old. <laughs> 1997. Uh-oh. Oh, the future is now. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't made any investments in technology. <laughs> but of course, the Parkers aren't the only ones to see the news. Big Willie Fisk seems to have some hidden knowledge about this mysterious scientist and the secrets he might be holding. Kingpin and Landon decide they'll need to free the chameleon from Shield HQ in order to acquire Dr. Kreutzig, and so plan to wage war by reforming the Insidious Six, Chameleon, Rhino, Doc Ock, Shocker, and the Scorpion with new addition, the Vulture. Landon here is talking to Kingpin, and he actually goes and refers to him as Kingpin. I'm like, aren't you guys, like, hanging out all the time? Is there no familiarity at this point? Like, hey, Willie, I don't think you're, <laughs> I don't agree with what you're doing here. My boy, Willie. <laughs> or not even, like, Mr. Fisk or just, like, Wilson, like, what are you doing? He's just like, Kingpin, are you sure? I mean, he chose the name, so I guess he's probably into it. I think the only person who called him Wils- like Wilson was probably Vanessa, and now it's like awkward. That's fair. Yeah, that could be true. He uh, he says that Landon, I am positive this scientist holds the key to one of the greatest powers known to mankind. You mean yes, all eleven herbs and spices? <laughs> <laughs> just that's the whole arc of this fucking series. The headshot they use for Goitzik is pretty funny to me now that you've zoomed in on it and get a full-blown full-screen <laughs> shot. He's got these kind of puppy dog eyes and the way he's looking at the camera kind of reminds me of like a oh me? I'm a bad little boy who came up with a doomsday device. <laughs> he looks like Michael Morbius if he took a shower. No, he looks like Michael Morbius in 30 right. years. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like, is that his father? Did we just figure it out? <laughs> oh, no. Perhaps. Um, so they say that he's going to have to break into this prison uh, to get the chameleon. Um, like, he needs to break into S.H.I.E.L.D. to get the chameleon because the chameleon knows more about this stuff. Which makes sense because it, it does tie into the chameleon and Dickie Fisk talking uh, way back in the Daredevil arc. Um, and, you know, that whole treason thing. Fucking treason. <laughs> Fucking treason. Yeah, right before the helicopter closed, you're right. My father, the Kingpin, will be pleased. We've saved him from federal prosecution. How ironic that Parker should be branded a traitor, especially after what you've told us about his parents. My favorite part about this whole scene, though, is just this one line from Kingpin. How unfortunate that the chameleon is now incarcerated in the most impregnable fortress ever built. Nothing is impregnable to the Kingpin. <laughs> Vanessa had her tubes tied and I still put a son oh, in her. <laughs> I have bastards from shaking hands with nuns. The kingpin gets it done. Yeah. And then the best part is Landon's response is, you must be joking. 
<laughs> the kingpin I mean, never jokes. To be fair, Shield headquarters isn't impregnable because they already broke in. So right? that's a good point. Yeah. What? What is this? What is this continuity? Like, speaking of clock of continuity, Kingpin says he needs these six forgotten warriors. One of them just worked for his enemy. Yeah, he says that they, uh, like, why would the Scorpion agree to work for Kingpin? Because he's an idiot. He says they were forgotten by the world, driven underground. He was literally working for Silvermane in the episode where Kingpin ripped off his tail and threw him a city block. (laughs) Kingpin yeeted him out of that courtyard. He's like, see ya. I broke him. (laughs) What the fuck? Pity. Yeah. <laughs> so as Kingpin's talking, he's going through his computer and there's all this footage of the Sinister Six. Oh, sorry. Insidious Six. Um, yep. Where did yep. he get that fucking footage? <laughs> like Triple J communications? It's a GoPro. Was he shooting like a documentary? <laughs> <laughs> they, they talk about Mysterio like they don't say he died or anything because they, you know, it's a kid show. Instead, they just kind of say like, the absence of him or something like that. But there are four of them and the chameleon will make five. Who will be your sixth forgotten warrior? Meet Mysterio's replacement. The Vulture. Like, that makes it sound like Mysterio left to form a solo project. Mysterio and the Hollow Cubes or something. <laughs> like, he's got solo. He's, he's too big for us now. Wasn't that gem in the Hollow Cubes? Yeah, it was. Probably. <laughs> um, And then the Vulture comes up. I'm just like... Was he sitting there waiting in that tube this whole time for this reveal? Like, what the fuck? I mean, you know, he was busy perusing labs, Peter. And then just got brought up at the exact moment. Right? (laughs) How are you going to replace Mysterio? We have to keep the color scheme the same. And then Kingpin's like, oh, just you wait. Way ahead of you, fool. (laughs) Let me also substitute a green guy for a green guy. He says he needs to assemble his... Warriors. I would just, I don't know why, but I kept thinking of that one, that song, this song by like Scandal and Patty Smith, The Warrior. Warriors. Warriors. Back at the old Parker place, Peter clears out the attic for May, and in doing so, stumbles across his parents' old passports. His curiosity is put on hold as Keen Marlowe arrives to see Aunt May, and she introduces him as an old friend of Uncle Ben's, bringing him in for tea. Peter discovers the man to be evasive and suspect, and when he brings up the passports, May is upset and refuses to talk about it. Marlowe then encourages Peter to take a hike while he calms her down. Aunt May's voice is so bad in this scene. This line read about Peter hurting his back, ugh. No offense to the voice actress. It's just so bad. Yeah, I, I miss season one slash two Aunt May. That was the best Aunt May. Yeah. Please be careful, dear. You're helping me move. Wouldn't be worth it if you sprained your back. So Peter's up there like fucking around in the attic, just shoving things around, picking up boxes, you know. As he and does. then they got to throw in this line here where he says that he has the proportional strength of a spider. It's like, yeah, yeah, we know. Thank you. Thank you. But he's so fucking happy about it for some reason. Like, he's just grinning while he's thinking about it. He's like, <laughs> and when you like, say it like okay. that, Peter, it actually makes it sound worse. I think I can handle it. After all, I do have the proportional strength of a spider. He was like, oh, well, I got my spider strength. Like, just say it that way. Everybody's like, yeah, spider strength. 
Because like Yay. one eight year old's like, what's the proportion of a spider strength again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got another fucking thing. Who the fuck cares? Right? Like, Agreed. We get it. We're watching Spider Man. I don't give a fuck. You're moving boxes and it needs your <laughs> spider strength, buddy. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is this trunk just a little heavy? <laughs> yeah, this is this is the high hitting at things that we were looking for in this show. <laughs> yeah, who's gonna go and fucking start his own fucking moving company here? Because <laughs> <laughs> they've got eight arms, so it's like we'll make the move for you, and it, and like each arm has a box. There you go. So he smashes this box because he doesn't. Apparently, it's proportional strength, but not dexterity. It's fine. Um, and all this shit some comes spilling out, including, like, baby rattles and stuff. But he finds his parents' passports. Uh, and you can kind of read the one for his mom. It says her birthday was September 18th and that she was oh. born in Nebraska, USA. Oh, well, hey, that's... New, bad. Nebraska, eh? All right. It's no mm-hmm. old Nebraska. So Peter hustles downstairs because there's a doorbell. And... Uh, <laughs> Fucking Keenan Mar or Keen Marlowe is here, and he's just like, <laughs> "May I come in?" Yes. Oh, oh yes. D- do come in. I think Aunt May's reaction when he shows up is this weird, shocked and aroused sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. oh, you can yeah. tell that there's a lot. Like instantly, you're like, "Oh, there's a story here." Yeah, it's like that uh, thing in uh, Zoolander with uh, Will Ferrell and his uh, assistant, and just like the eyes back and forth for like ten minutes. <laughs> guys, guys, guys! The '70s were a wild time. Like I don't know how to tell you. I'm sure there's been some nights with Ben and May and Keen. Like, rrr. yeah, couldn't tell where one uh, one per- body started and the other one ended. He was Uncle Ben's best friend. I mean, that's the best term I can think of off the top of my head to, well, to describe it. So when Aunt May goes and says that this was uh, Uncle Ben's best friend. I've pictured Peter just being like, best friend? Tell me, you do remember his name, do you? <laughs> I had a best friend once. And then he's like, yeah. may I come in? And Aunt May's like, yes, I mean, <clears throat> yes, you may. <laughs> like, check, yeah. check that thirst, May. How exactly did you find this? <laughs> yeah. I love though, they, they, he comes in and they sit down, they're having tea and biscuits or whatever the fuck they're eating. And, uh, and Marlo's like, and Peter decides to challenge him, and Marlo's response is fucking ridiculous. So that's why I'm in town. Just another boring convention. Uh, what line of work did you say you were in? Oh, uh, this and that. What? Yeah. Expert spy Keaton Marlowe is like, I don't need to think of a backstory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she like loses her mind though when he hands her those, uh, those passports. <laughs> It's yeah. like, why didn't you just throw her away then if it was such a problem? Yeah, I don't get it. Which <laughs> is like, passports, my secret shame. Yeah, it reminds me of that trip to Canada where you pooped in the car. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wish they had panned to Marlowe at that point and him just like smacking his forehead and being like, May, you were supposed to burn those. This is national security we're talking about. Like, what the fuck? I put them in the attic in a very heavy box. <laughs> yeah, like, that's a classic, like, lady don't want to lose the memories kind of thing, you know? <laughs> Again, like, she just, like, storms off to the next room and immediately sits down. <laughs> yeah. Marlo's just like, son, leave her be. But I let me talk to her. 
Now, why don't you go out and take a walk or something? Why don't you play one of those videography contests? Uh, you mean a video game? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, he's basically, uh, let me handle this. Here's $5. Go see a Star Wars or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to have an intimate, I mean, important conversation with your aunt. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Stash meets gash, if you know what I mean. Hey, oh. Jesus. Yep. <laughs> so Peter suits up here. And he sneaks out of the house of Spider-Man to listen in on the conversation. It seems that there's a hidden secret somewhere in the house related to Peter's parents, and if Marlowe can't have it, May won't be allowed to sell. He pokes around for a bit but finds nothing and decides to bounce. But when Spider-Man tails him, he's shocked to find his taxi transforms and flies them to S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. So when they're talking here, May goes and says, like, Peter's so sensitive and stuff. You'll have to tell him someday. But he's so sensitive. Who knows how this will affect him? Like, how did he get this reputation? Like, he's a kind of a wiener when he was a kid? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he was a soft boy going to space camp and stuff. Yeah, he was probably picked on a lot. Can't do it, go Ben. <laughs> you know what okay. wrong, luck. You thought it'd be easy, boy? Did you? Did you? <laughs> well, also, like every time Aunt May, you know, mentions leaving or going on a vacation, he keeps being like, this is the house that you raised me in. Like, yo, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. just being a bitch. Plus, a lot of times he pretends to be sick so he can do Spider-Man stuff. She probably thinks he's pretty sickly, to be fair. Yeah. Like the time he ran home naked we brought up the other day. And slept for 24 hours. Yeah. So May's not going to give... Uh, Marlo what he wants here uh, and then she says besides you're not here for the sake of Peter or me you're here to collect what you can't have these and she just like whips her tits <laughs> Peter falls off the roof trying to cover his eyes <laughs> boom what was that I don't know <laughs> oh, look at them <laughs> all you just hear is just like no you <laughs> hear vomiting over the sound of their motorboating <laughs> May here gets upset when her and, and uh, Marlo are talking and she runs upstairs. Why are you running upstairs with like and leaving like a stranger in your house? He's going to touch all your stuff. I mean, he's not a stranger. It's Uncle Ben's best friend. His best friend? Best <laughs> so you do friend. remember <laughs> She just keeps saying I can't over and over. Do you notice that? Like she says can't like nine times in this fucking scene. Can't, 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 can't. Never say it can't. Say you'll try. Pause and mental attitude, guys. Well, uh, sorry, Kevin. There is only do. There is no try. Mm, also a good point. Master Yoda taught me that. <laughs> so then she just storms off weeping, and he's like, eh, time to destroy their guest bathroom with some toad-in-the-hole shits, I guess. <laughs> like, just wanders away. Yeah. Oh, that famous Aunt May cooking just went right through me. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, her palate is so fucking scarred from like all the gin and hard liquor that she, everything is just so fucking spicy <laughs> i love how peter's like creeping around and spider-man outside watching him go through the house he just he touches my fucking pog collection i will rip him <laughs> limb from limb he's like going around in the basement there. he's fucking on him like <laughs> i'm gonna find out just who this guy really is so Marla just like leaves, doesn't even like say goodbye, just like walks out the door, leaves that open. Good. And he gets into this taxi and it doesn't even turn down an alley or like onto an on-ramp or something. It just flies away. 
Like there are neighbors, Zana Watson, yep. like three doors down, pouring lemonade into like an overfull glass. Yep. Like Brussels sprouts burning on the stove as she stares at this thing. A hundred percent. She's creeping on their property at all times because she hates Peter. So, yeah, yeah, she's a huge snoop. Yeah, she knows what every single neighbor is doing. Up at S.H.I.E.L.D., Spider-Man gets poking through the vents and looking for answers. He finds Marlowe meeting with Nick Fury and discovers that the official line is that his parents died as traitorous Russian counterspies. However, it seems like a smear job to cover up something even bigger. Before Spidey can get more info, the base starts a rockin' as an invisible ship comes a knockin'. It seems Kingpin's attack has begun. I'm pretty sure that S.H.I.E.L.D. probably has the protocols to make sure there aren't any stowaways attached to their vehicles here. Anymore, especially since that same thing happened last time. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, it's not even that big like you could see him. He sticks out pretty hard against this yellow taxi vehicle yeah. thing, right? Yeah, this, uh, this fucking fortress is fucking impregnable, right? <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> and it's just the same shot. Of him, like, pulling up and, like, flying in and then getting saluted by Agent Cameltoe. Like, it's the exact same shot repeated from the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Marlowe shows back up to Fury empty-handed of information, and Fury gives him a sassy retort. May Parker won't talk, but I won't leave until she does. Frustrating, isn't it, when somebody won't tell you all that they know? Nick, I know you want all the details, but some things have to be kept secret, even from you. Fine! Whatever it takes. <laughs> She's not interested, buddy. Have you met Anna Watson? <laughs> yeah. It's like, Nick, I've told you, those 11 herbs and spices are only kept in a safe in Louisville. <laughs> Fine, I'll get Popeyes. <laughs> is, this, is this again going for Nick Fury wanting to eat lunch? Is his <laughs> yeah, lunch late? Say. Is this what this is? <laughs> yeah, he's just hungry. This isn't like ordering a pizza. S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't deliver classified information within 15 minutes or the first state secret is free. So Spider-Man's in the vents and he hears all this shit and he says, Traitors! What? And traitors, they must remain. Russian counter-spies? Traitors? Is Fury conspiring to smear my parents' reputation? They lose their reputation. What's next? My job? Their health? My apartment? <laughs> oh, nice. That one Mary Jane pressured him into renting? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was thinking that too, Cabbage. is like, yes, Fury has nothing better to do than to smear Peter Parker, former traitor, his reputation. <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't like him because he's got two eyes instead of Fury's one. No, it's important to national security, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess national security is not that important because it seems like those budget cuts you mentioned previously went through because uh, they're once again blindsided by a stealth ship. Yeah, you think that S.H.I.E.L.D. would have some kind of, like, S.H.I.E.L.D.? But you'd be wrong, and I bet you feel stupid for asking. <laughs> oh, we don't mean S.H.I.E.L.D. as in a S.H.I.E.L.D. Strategic Homeland... Um... Uh... Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> How about you shut up? So, Cameltoe says, like, hey, we need help getting the security back online, and Fury just looks at the senior citizen and is like, yeah, you go do that. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah, if one thing old people are known for, it's their quality work with technology. Yeah. They're just, 
They're so good at it, right? Well, yeah, of course. Hey, my mom can go and talk to all her friends on Facebook. Uh-huh, and I'm sure she's really good at working the Google. Well, Kevin, once uh, once she goes and installs all those toolbars, she's uh, ready to go. Once she's got bonsai, buddy, <laughs> there's nothing that can stop her. Oh, my God. I talk. I email. I browse. I search. I sing. I'm, lo- I'm just looking at the Wikipedia. Radioactive Spider Pod is a great show. You are not wasting your time listening to this. Now let's help Peter's mom download more viruses. Uh, well, the cloak vessel comes in for a landing, and the breach is underway. The goon squad quickly overwhelms S.H.I.E.L.D.'s defenses and begin to crack their computer system to locate the chameleon. Luckily for Nick Fury, Spider-Man happens to be on board and helps with the counterattack. Unfortunately, the might of the formidable five is too much for him, and he's left dangling and helpless. Only the discovery of the chameleon's cell and some cover fire from Nick Fury allow Spidey to slip free, alive but well behind the goon squad. So Agent X is like, we're under attack by a ship that was cloaked. I'm like, yeah, so fucking what if it was cloaked? Who who fucking cares? You're under attack. Deal with that. Does it matter? I mean, like, she's already making excuses here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my point, right? It's like... Okay, well, like, we have this problem. Let's solve it. Like, <laughs> just give me solutions. What are you doing? Fury uh, needs some solutions, and hopefully they're ones that he can do without getting out of his big stupid chair, because that's what he wants to do. Hey, you don't get a hover chair so you can get out of it. <laughs> I guess that's Yeah, that's true. a good point. That is a commitment to the chair. He is encumbered by this chair, and he's just still insisting on being in it finally takes like a dive and like rolls out of it uh so he can take some shots and it looks like he's hiding behind like an oven like just like a shitty looking oven <laughs> well maybe he just wants to get some hot pockets in there <laughs> yeah. at some point like tendies i have the to man defend is them hungry <laughs> yeah look what happens when he doesn't eat he's very hungry <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's the whole point right like he's trying to find the nine herbs and sp- uh, special herbs and spices <laughs> so he can go and bake some chicken yeah it's true you know how long it takes kfc to get delivered into the sky you know, it's always soggy by the time it gets there, so he needs to know right? how to make it in the base. Right? Colonel Furies. That's the secret. That's it. From one colonel to the another. Man, <laughs> the man knows all this fucking national security secrets, but he can't get the special recipe. That's right. Dr. Octopus is so happy to call the kingpin when he breaks into the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. He's just like, kingpin. So they get the transceiver in there and uh, it allows them access to the system. And (laughs) they say, It would take me only 30 seconds to decipher this. Do it in 10. Fuck off. Like, it's like, do it in 10. Fuck you. You do it in 10. And then, and then I actually like timed it, and it took them fifty-one seconds. So what the hell's the point of that? Yeah, I was surprised Willie wasn't the one hacking. Why is Landon and his only three fingers typing fast? Yeah, really. I wrote the same thing, Kevin. I'm just like, fuck off. Computers don't work that way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, shut up. It'll take as long <laughs> as it takes. Like, get out of my face here. Yeah, like, why don't you go and give me a fucking supercomputer that can go and compute things way faster? How about that? I can run the fucking program, but I can't make it go faster because of this shitty Pentium 3 you've got this shit running on. Also, like, I would have liked the Scorpion to have made a dig about the wedding. Ah, Spider-Man, how'd that wedding turn out? Oh, yeah. When Scorpion shows up here, he goes and says, Hey, Spider-Man! 
Nobody said you were gonna be up here. Now this is what I call a party. Me and my Sarah are pretty happy with having our wedding here. There's lots of space. <laughs> we, <laughs> we get yeah, it. Been, we're venue shopping. Yeah, we get it, Scorpion. <laughs> the rhino here is great too. He just bursts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. And then Spider-Man's just like, um... Surprised to see me, big boy? <laughs> Delighted. And that's all he says the whole episode. He's earning but that paycheck. Great, oh, baby. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I have my... Oh, yeah, they forget to edit out. Can I have my money now? <laughs> yeah. It's the sound of, like, the door closing and leaving. It's like, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then we get this line from uh, Doc Ock. Kingpin said we'd all gain a new lease on life. We'll start by depriving you of yours. No, I think he misunderstood. He was just going to fix your bowl cut, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what's keeping you down more than anything else. Oh, my God. I am gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> all these modeling contracts. Now we're going to get you some cool hipster glasses and uh, it's going to be a whole new life for you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like that uh, Spider-Man called them goons. That was fun. I'd love to chat about old times, but we've got to stop those goons. For some reason, he's not really mad at Fury anymore, though, even though, you know, treason. But that's cool. I mean, I'm sure they'll get to it. He's got bigger fish to fry. At the end of this scene, though, when they're all standing around and Dr. Octopus is holding Spider-Man up, I'm 99% sure that's the exact same shot from the last like battle of the insidious six episode where they're holding up like peter parker in the spider-man costume it's definitely the shot of them all walking uh and then like it, it getting really close on doc ock's face they've used that one a lot yeah oh yeah with his glasses like it's from the theme song for sure so the goons uh, locate their encased compatriot and free him before hightailing it to their getaway ship with relative ease spider-man also webs along for the ride and shield agents join in the pursuit with tombs at the wheel and a cloaking device at their disposal, they quickly lose their pursuers, except for Spider-Man, who's given the ride of his life before being forced to make a very uncontrolled landing. With no other leads, he heads to the one place where he can get answers. His house. So the Kingpin prioritized getting the chameleon over killing Spider-Man. It shows that the prize is pretty, it's got to be pretty big. Yeah, like uh, they get over to the chameleon's weird little glass box coffin thing that they're keeping him in and uh doc ock says it will only take seconds to overload the laser matrix then its safety fuses will activate and shut it out it's one of willie fizz to be like do it in microseconds <laughs> yeah like yes and go and explain oh i'm going to go and rewire the hollow circuits so that they go and overload the capacitance reactors and like who fucking cares? Turn it off. Do you guys think he's do you guys think he's in that like weird cage because they realized he was emitting a tracking <laughs> beacon and they didn't want to operate it to take it out. So they were like, yeah, fuck it. Put him in this laser cage. Yeah, probably. There's and then people could see through his eyes and crazy shit. All, all that bullshit that they came up with it later where he became like a robot or yeah. whatever. Why do they have him in this weird fucking hollow cube? Hollow cube. <laughs> when they could just have easily like put a fucking piece of paper taped to the cell out of his reach that says this is the chameleon do not open for any reason even if it's if he says he's nick fury <laughs> who has to take a shit like, just don't <laughs> nick do it. fury has to take a shit <laughs> right yeah 
So they all just run away, and I guess there's nobody trying to stop them, so they easily get onto their ship. And then, uh, like, everybody shows up outside to take pot shots at this uh, ship that's flying away, and uh, Marlo shows up in, like, in one of the shield ships, like, he's just driving it. (laughs) It's so weird. He's like, oh, hey! (laughs) He's just... Yeah, it's like, jump in, Nick, we're gonna get mad tail in my whip. Fury totally like sits him down. Is like, no, no, no. You go to Aunt May. You're not fighting. You got some clam to slam. Go take care of it. You're too old. Yeah, yeah. It's like Aunt May needs to be seduced. There's only one man for the job. Keen Harlow. Keen Marlow. Keen Hardon. <laughs> that was a different time. <laughs> that was a different name. Yeah, and then once again, Shield is totally incompetent in a chase sequence. Like, it's good that they're not riding the exploding hover bikes anymore, but these ships are not much better. (laughs) They fucking suck. I liked the line from the Vulture where he pointed out that he likes a good dogfight because he was a pilot. I was like, oh, sick. Like, yeah, he takes out that one ship, (laughs) right? And a guy like explodes and Agent X is just like. Delta nine is hit. Pilot ejecting now. Delta One still in pursuit. He ejects out of the seat and just gets sucked into the jet jet engine. Oh, that's a negative bogey. (laughs) Oh, uh, continuing (laughs) pursuit. We've lost (laughs) all of them. That's another one. We have lost Delta Five. Deploying other Sidewinder (laughs) missile. Yeah, (laughs) it seems like they would use their advantage of numbers here to try and fight Spider-Man. Like maybe fly him up really, really high, and then. That'll cause them to pass out or something. I don't know. Whatever. What, they could do a lot of things here, but they do none of it. They just kind of drop a huge chunk of their ship in order to make him fall off of it. It's really weird. Yeah. I. It's like the extra caboose they do in, in movies where they take the pin out of the train, I guess. I don't know. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was so fu- Like, Why would you go and design a fucking ship like yeah. that? Oh, well, you know, just in case. Like, it makes sense in, like, a spaceship where they have the different stage of booster rockets and, like, once it runs out of fuel, it jettisons, whatever. But this was just like, oh, in the off chance that there is a fucking human arachnid on our ship, we can go and jettison it. I thought it was going to... Yeah, I was like, oh, he's going to hit a button and it'll, like, the outside of the ship will be, like, zap, like... There'll be like a, an electric charge across the ship and then Spider-Man has to jump off because he'll get zapped. That would have been way better. Pharaoh, you should just fucking write this show. I thought they were going to fly off and then like Doc Ock would go outside of the ship because his arms would let him hold on to it. And he would like fight him on the outside of a moving plane. Ooh. You know, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Anything would have been better than just like beep. Okay, bye. Rhino just bursts through the top of it. Like, oh, I'm helping too. It's like, oh, God, we're going down. And they all die. <laughs> all the masks just come down, all the oxygen masks. Peter heads home and gets the full story from Aunt May and Marlo. His parents were spies for the U.S. government looking into Dr. Kreutzig and his supposed doomsday weapon. However, when they got to Russia, they announced themselves as double agents, declared Kreutzig a ruse, and shortly thereafter died in a plane crash. Airtight story. What with the reappearance of their target, it's all up in the air, and Peter decides to go to Russia to investigate. Nobody has any objections at all, and naturally, MJ wishes him well. 
why is Anna Watson there? This is a private family moment. And they zoom out and you can see her smug ass sitting on one of those big armchairs. And I was waiting for a Watson chime in. And I was very sad that it never came. Nah, she's just busy being juiced up because she's getting the ultimate dish here. Like, she's getting all the tea, yeah. so she's happy. <laughs> <laughs> and she, he's looking through this photo album here, which <laughs> she's such an old lady. <laughs> she made a scrapbook about his parents' shame for, like, just this specific scenario. Why <laughs> is this... Scrapbooked. Well, the white woman is strong with this one. What the fuck? They were terrible spies. They made a fucking scrapbook. Here's a photo of them in front of the White House, the government they would then later betray. Here's that. Yeah. It just says, like, in like shiny, like, letters, betrayal. (laughs) Sutterfield. Oh, God. And Peter's like, why haven't I seen this before? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe your mom slipped a nip in this picture and uh, she's pretty ashamed of it. Oh, probably because of the treason, Peter. That's why. (laughs) Fucking think about it. Again, why is this (laughs) scrapbooked? For just this scenario. So then Marlo chimes in. He's like, Peter, I knew your parents also. They were American operatives and they were considered the best. Yeah, that's cool, man. Who the fuck are you again? Like, (laughs) why... Why are you here? Like, I mean, I can hear why you're here when you're alone with Aunt May, but like, come on. Yeah. So Marlo's here talking about whatever the fuck. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. And then he mentions that in the late 70s, something happened or whatever. And then there's a picture with Richard and Mary Parker. Why is this scrapbooked? I don't know. Uh, a picture of them in front of a Soviet plane. Yeah. And Marlo says, Your parents were on a mission to find the truth about a secret doomsday weapon that was supposedly built to destroy America. It had been an old World War II project that the Germans initiated. Rumor had it, it was created by Dr. Wolfgang Greutzig. And it was some sort of delicious saltwater taffy. I don't know why. And so I had an onion on my belt. Which was the style at the time, don't you know? Yeah, you went on about that for 20 fucking minutes, Marlo. Like, where are my parents? <laughs> and he's like... With Groitzik's discovery and kidnapping, well, no one knows what to believe. As for me, I believe I'll have another scotch and soda. <laughs> <Yeah>. And then <laughs> he smacks on May's butt, like, go get it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Also, the, oh. yeah, here's a photo of us in front of the plane that we inevitably died in. That's why you gotta take pictures of everything in your life. Because you never know when you're gonna die in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then at the end of all this exposition, Mary Jane goes and asks Peter, are you okay? And Peter's response is, are you okay? No, I'm angry. What kind of shitty writing is this? You can't just go and have your characters say how they feel. That made me angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. And then they cut to this weird thing of Peter and MJ talking, and it's 100% lifted from the Prowler episode. Like, it's the scene where they leave the apartment and he says, you know, why would you want to be in this dump? It's too high up. It's too, it's too, it's too expensive. But then they just put different vocals over it and don't right? even redub it. And it doesn't even make sense. Like, he, she, like, does the hush thing to him and they, like, smooch. Yeah. It's clearly him going, it's too high, because he points to the sky. Yeah, like, the lips don't work at all. You're like, oh, Christ. That was, this one's pretty bad for some reused animation. It was, 
egregious. Well, so Peter has a will, but he needs to find a way, as he lives in a shithole and has no money to get to Russia. Luckily, he is an in with Triple J, an intimate knowledge of his hatred of Spider-Man. He quickly cons his boss into sending him halfway around the world under the threat that Spider-Man is going to become the leader of the communists or something. And Robbie, for his part, supports the move and wants to go too, which sets off Peter's bullshit sense and gets him curious about his friend's true intentions. I love this scene. I love this scene. <laughs> Triple J is buying it hook, line, and sinker. He's going full, like, <laughs> Red Scare, back to the Reagan days of, uh, like, I don't know. He's fully committed to Spider-Man going to Russia. He is, but Peter's like, Spider-Man is going where? To Russia. He told me so himself. He's wearing a big Cossack hat and everything. <laughs> he looks great in. <laughs> you know what? Pulling it off. Yeah, Peter tells him that he wants to take over Russia. And then Triple J just, yeah, I mean, his suit's so red. It would fit right in. <laughs> he's like, initially he's skeptical to his credit, to his credit. Initially he is skeptical. He says something like, I don't believe it. Why would he do a crazy thing like, well, you always said he was a menace to the world. <laughs> but Peter's like already like, it's like, I don't know, maybe he likes borscht. Just buy the plane ticket, you asshole. This is a, we're already 16 minutes into the episode. We need to get moving. Make with the paycheck. <laughs> but also, this was actually very similar to the actual comic book story of the lizard, where Peter is like, oh, the lizard's in Florida. Well, I'm going to go and take uh, advantage of me working for the Daily Bugle. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. I think they also did it in the 1967 cartoon or whatever. Yeah. And if you want to hear about that, go and check out our Patreon exclusive series, Psychedelic Spidey. Nice plug. So he's going to be Russian. So he's going to become Russian Spider-Man, though. Shiliak Paruk. Oh, <laughs> Kevin, you know, you speak Russian? Enough. <laughs> Uh, I like the hyperbole that's going on here. Triple J is going full tinfoil hat and Peter's just feeding the flames unlike normal, so... What if he became a world power unto himself? This is a disaster! America has to know, Mr. Jameson. And you know, the Daily Bugle is probably being printed and sold in Moscow. It's moving further east since... The uh, Blade episode. It's got to beat the Daily Beacon in that market. Right? Like, I got to get a jump on it. And this is this is his opportunity to go to to spread it to the rest of the world. So I see I see Triple J's plan. Peter uh, is so skeptical of Robbie here. You don't believe a word of this, right? No. In this case, I think Peter's fears are valid. You, you do? <laughs> it's so cartoony. Yeah, I love it was it. Robbie's normally the voice of reason. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. Robbie hates planes. Yeah, like, <laughs> I love the hyper zoom on Peter's face. It's reused animation, but I still love it. We're just like, what's he up to? Is it the same shot of when they said the princess die thing? Oh, yeah, actually, it is. Yeah, the side eye. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that that's all settled, we cut to the airport where Peter is saying goodbye to Mary Jane and Robbie is seen off by his mysterious phone friend who leaves him with a note and a ring. On the plane, Robbie seems agitated by Peter's youthful shenanigans, further arousing suspicion. By the time the two arrive in Russia, the tension is palpable. So the intro here is the exact same scene from Day of the Chameleon. That's like the fourth time or third time they've used it, so that's cool. Well, why would you draw more than one airport if you don't have to, Peter? Fucking think about what you're saying. Yeah, I no, mean, uh, it's, oh, JFK, it's JFK, it's <laughs> JFK. Why would you animate anything twice when you can just show it more than it's true. once? It's true. 
It's another season. Kids can't remember. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I also noticed that Peter is wearing that Buono gray Italian suit for his flight. Well, it's like back in the day where people dressed up to go on planes. You got to get that suit on when you're going to be in the sky for nine and a half hours. Did you check out? Like, yeah, I know you did. Okay. I did. Uh, <laughs> a direct flight from New York to Moscow costs about $1,000 with Aeroflot, uh, and it takes nine and a half hours. But you could save 50 bucks if you went through uh, Qatar and had a 16-hour layover in Doha. Is is Doha in Qatar? It's the capital. Oh, what if you went through Frankfurt? <laughs> it's hard to look up right now because there's not a lot of flights going anywhere. That's a good point. Oh, why? <laughs> Don't answer that. Because the world's on fire. Well, how the about yours? On fire. Have damn it! <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I like it, and I never get bored. Oh. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. Hey, and we cut end end podcast. <laughs> Done. That's it. it never. was all a setup for a, uh, <laughs> for, a for a Smash Mouth reference. fucking episodes for that. Just for a Smash Mouth reference. Do you notice that the ring that Robbie gets here has the uh, Roman numeral for six on it? I did not notice that. I did. That's they good. actually drew that correctly for once. Uh, I wonder if that's going to be important. Probably not. Uh, smash cut to Peter and Robbie on the plane. And Kevin, you pointed out that uh, Peter's in his Buono suit. Buono. And this... Buono. <laughs> Buono. It reminds me of the days where if you dressed nicely, there was a chance you could get bumped up to first class. But now, no. You know, everybody's in sweatpants because you ain't going nowhere. Hey, Brinko, you're going nowhere. Well, that's two bone saw references in two episodes. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> We're finally doing it. Peter's being such a fucking child here, though, yeah. like reading aloud from his uh, like his Russian translation guide and just pestering Robbie. Yeah. And Robbie's just like not having yeah. it. It's pretty great. Robbie's just like, no, sleep. <laughs> like he's like a parent. Yeah. Do you speak any Russian, Robbie? Enough. Hey, who was that guy who saw you off at the airport? Just a friend. Excuse me, Peter. I really need to get some sleep. All right, great. Good talk. But also, how the fuck does Robbie know enough Russian? Yeah, it's a pretty difficult language to learn, right? You know what, though? To Peter's credit, like, this was before everybody had their own individual TVs in a plane. A transatlantic flight all the way to Moscow would probably have been boring as fuck. Right, right? And if you didn't like the movie, you had one movie is my point. Like, that was all they had for you. It's only multiplicity. Yeah, that's the only movie they have on every flight. You know what? I am not going to sit here and have you guys slander the masterpiece that starred Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Nobody has sex with my wife but me. Multiplicity. And he's just like, wait, so uh, who was that guy uh, that you saw at the airport? Did look like your wife or whatever. That's weird. <laughs> and he's just like, just a friend, Peter. You, you've got what I need. Baby, you, you got what I need. You say he's just a friend. He just uh, a friend. Yeah, exactly. That's the same joke I did, too. <laughs> nice. Peter and 
Robbie check in at their hotel, but when Robbie wants to sleep some more, Peter heads out as Spider-Man. He accomplishes absolutely nothing by swinging around randomly, and when he heads back to the hotel, he sees Robbie sneaking out and decides to give chase. Robbie meets up with an old man named Lintz or something, I don't know, who seems to have some information about who took the doctor, but their conversation is cut short by an explosion that tears the building apart. I like the reaction he gets and gives to web-slinging in a foreign country, because he's just like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't understand, like, these people are freaked out, and then they pan to the crowd, and just so you know, it's Russia, there's a lady with, like, a scarf around her head and, like, full babushka outfit. You buy it, you buy it, you buy it! (laughs) Like, oh, okay, guys, we're definitely in Russia. It couldn't just be normal people in a suit, it had to be that outfit, too. It's a big mix. I don't speak the language. I don't know where anything is. Robbie was right. I should get some sleep and make a fresh start in the morning. Well, yeah. Like, why didn't anybody point this shit out to him before he left? He's going to Russia to look for his parents. Do you have any leads? Do you speak the language? Or are you familiar with the location? But I'm American. (laughs) I just thought I would speak louder than people could understand you. That doesn't help. So Robbie ends up at this guy's house. He knocks on the door and when the guy answers, he's like, basically, who the fuck are you? Oh, the man who gave me your name told me to show you this. (gasps) Quickly, come inside, come, come. Robbie goes and shows him this fucking ring and the guy's like, oh my God, a ring. I'm harder than the diamond on that ring. Come in. (laughs) Like his face is just like, oh my God. We don't really get very much from this, you know, like it's just more intrigue, like good old fashioned cloak and dagger shit here. Yeah. This is clearly a setup episode, you know, like trying to get all the pieces together and get a bunch of exposition out of the way. But you're just like, okay, I don't care. Like now there's this old man and like I am having a hard time even understanding what they're saying. I think it's Lintz. Mr. Lintz. And it looks exactly like Marlowe, but a different... uh color scheme yeah there's so many old people it's really hard to keep track of this shit does robbie have any idea why he's there it doesn't seem like it so that also feels weird that he's like hey here's this ring tell me stuff and the guy's like uh okay what i mean if they didn't keep everything in this episode of fucking secret you know yeah and robbie's not painted shady enough to think he might be some sort of double agent because they keep talking about double agents so that actually would have been a good like twist or at least intrigue is like oh fuck is robbie the spy yeah there's not enough breadcrumbs to make us care Yeah, and it just seems like what's more likely is it's another coincidence that someone that is directly related to Peter slash Spider-Man is involved in this in some weird way, just so that it actually gives Peter somewhere to go, because he had no fucking clue what to do. So it's just he lucks into another thing. Like, it's just random events happening. And they're like, well, I guess we're doing this now. And it's a bunch of like what you say, Kev, it's just a bunch of talking. Yeah. Like, which isn't fucking interesting. It's not long. As it would be in like a drama movie or a drama TV show or something like that, where it's very dialogue driven, but it's like, get the action going. Like, this is a kid's show. Yeah, no, that's fair. I was like, oh, maybe he is acting like someone who is afraid. But if he saw the ring, shouldn't he just be like, oh, thank God. Yeah, it's this. Like, 
Well, we don't know what his reaction should be because we don't know what the ring means. We don't know who Robbie's organization is. We don't even know who this guy is. Well, I mean, in like seven days, he'll die, right? Seven days. Yeah, he saw the ring. He's going to die in seven days. Yeah. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have watched that tape that you found in the dump. There you go. So anyway, the explosion was caused by that same female agent from the beginning who took the doctor. Uh, she and her pack of wild characters snag Lince and start dragging him off as Spider-Man checks on Robbie. Spidey then grabs the doctor back, webs up some goons, but a gas grenade incapacitates pretty much everybody and Silver Sable secures her hostage once more. When the explosion happens, Spider-Man swings in, Lince is being taken, and Robbie just exclaims, You are! I knew you were a communist! <laughs> like... She's got her own brand of goon, and there's not really a very strong uh, uniform policy in her in her group here because there's like everyone's got their little accoutrement. Like there's a random dude in a cowboy hat and stuff. You're like, who are these guys? I like to say that Silver Sable let her goons have one piece of flair. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has to wear the uniform, but I'll allow you a little individuality it's the 90s. It was a fucking free-for-all. Can we just, like, not bring back anything from the 90s? Like, any fashion? Yeah, I mean, the fanny pack's back. Then she yells at him. Take lens. Like the chocolates? Oh, no, right. That old guy that was never properly introduced. Got yeah, you. yeah. Well, that's his introduction right there. Just as a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he could have died because, like, Spider-Man swings in to save him and he just boots the cowboy in the spine. And he goes sprawling. Like, he just kicks the whole group of them. Like, the fight's not great. It's pretty sloppy from Spider-Man. No. I mean, I guess there's a lot of them. He turns his back on the people with guns a lot. Yeah. Which is not what you want to be doing. Not in a gun fight. Not in any fight. Maybe he should have slept on the plane. Like, time zones, you know? Uh, it's not his greatest moment. It's that jet lag. We'll, we'll, we'll call it a jet lag episode. Yeah. Well, Spider-Man's going to be feeling a little bit worse than jet lag in a minute because the bow on this episode has the possible mercenary or maybe KGB agents dropping a bomb to cover their tracks. As they take off with Lince, Spider-Man and Robbie lie helpless next to a literal ticking clock. So is Buddy just walking around with, like, those old-timey railroad kind of things of dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. It's just like, all right, let's get rid of this place. Let's go blow up the jail where the, uh, you know, the country turkey boys are being held. Right? Why was it not the guy with the cowboy hat? <laughs> yeah, he throws it over to them with a lasso. Like, yeah. Just because. <laughs> also, poor Lince isn't worthy of a personalized imprisonment plane. He gets just a regular four-door sedan. <laughs> They just throw yeah, them in. And they all jump into it like a fucking clown car for some reason. It's Russia. You don't need a seatbelt. And it's silver. Maybe it was Sable's car. You're right. Isn't Wasn't a Sable a type of car? Mercury Sable. It's the silver Mercury Sable. All right. All right. It all comes together. Introducing the all new 1996 Mercury Sable. Imagine It's also a repeated shot again here, right? Like they drag Lince out for the second time and it's the exact same shot when, uh, as when they dragged him out the first time. Oh, Literally no. a minute apart. Oh. It's so lazy. Also, speaking of fucking continuity uh, and Kevin looking at clocks, they start this bomb at 60 seconds, nine seconds passes, and now the clock is at 35 seconds. It's on fast forward. 
five bucks says uh, the next episode is him waking up, spider sensing, and swinging away. Yeah, or throwing into the air, maybe. I don't know. It's sort of weird that they leave a bomb at all, because she's like, We must leave no evidence that we were here. Destroy this place. Nobody in this episode knows about the existence of fucking windows. You're literally in one of those Soviet-style super blocks. There are a million people around to see you. Like, they just drive away. It's like Anna Watson for the beginning of the episode watching the hover car. Like, absolutely there are eyewitnesses. Does she not realize these two eyewitnesses aren't from Russia and can't speak the language? So it's fine. <laughs> Who are they going to tell? <sighs> yeah, I don't fucking know. Well, time is almost up for us as well. But first, some arbitrary spider ratings where we rank the episode using whatever idiotic metric we can come up with off the top of our heads. Kevin. <gasps> um, I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give this episode three double agents out of a possible insidious six. Fuck, that's what I fucking did. Fuck. You. Really? Oh. Gotcha, baby. Uh, my biggest issues. Baby. Is that uh, it's kind of a setup episode. So in terms of its structure, it's really vague and we don't get a good understanding of why some people are doing what they're doing or why we should care. Uh, Peter really has no plan at all. But with that said, uh, earlier in the episode, anyway, the first half was actually surprisingly fun. The kind of cartoony, zany things happening. There were some fun reveals. I like the idea of finding out about Peter's parents. That's cool. And you're going to get to see the, the Insidious Six again, which is neat. Uh, the problem is that it feels very overstuffed for all of this, and we can't keep all these threads going. But again, it's a setup episode. I guess everything will be forgiven if they use this as an awkward start to pay it off uh, going forward with something better. All right, Pharaoh. I give this episode six treason scrapbooks out of nine. Sort of the same with Kevin. Like, there's a lot of setup. My biggest issue with it, too, is that there's kind of some pretty big continuity errors that I alluded to earlier, which kind of is jarring and takes you... It takes the whole like Insidious 6 rebuilding uh, down a couple pegs of excitement, but it's got the chameleon. And so that made it okay. <laughs> All right. As for me, I'm going to give this five out of nine impregnable fortresses. Yeah, it was a lot of setup. There's a lot of talking, exposition. Um, I hope in the future episodes that it'll get to a little bit more action and things paying off. But, you know, as a second episode of a season, it sets things up. Yeah, I mean, and I guess we're just sort of chilling in Russia now, pun intended. Maybe we should learn some Russian or something in order to keep up with this. Poco jest jigotsitoy. Yes, Shaslif. He's supposed to have some big scoop. The moment all America has been waiting for. Today's issue with Bugle. Brock's big scoop. Eddie Brock's biggest scoop. Big news, too. That's unbelievable. Exactly how did you happen to get this? Six Forgotten Warriors, Chapter 2, The Unclaimed Legacy. The Kingpin reunites the no longer forgotten Insidious Six to find information on a mysterious group, the actual Six Forgotten Warriors. How many Six Forgotten Warriors are there going to be? Six. A baker's dozen at this point. 
Because now there's 12 Forgotten Warriors. That's not a Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen is 13. It is, but Kingpin's Forgotten. No, Smythe's going to show up. There we go. Uh, That doesn't probably make any sense, but that's fine. Thanks for being with us, loyal listeners. If you like the episode, please share with your friends, your family, and your fellow double agents in person or online using the hashtag RASpiderPod and get a chance to win some free swag. If you love the show, you can also join our Patreon, get some merch on TeePublic, or rate and review us on your podcasting service of choice. Helps us grow the show. Links for everything are on our website, RadioAfterSpiderPod.com. We'll be returning from a most glorious Soviet Republic in two weeks with our next episode. Till then, this is Radioactive SpiderPod saying, Nothing is impregnable to the kingpin. Keep swinging. I'll always love you. Tell him I love him. <laughs> I will love you <laughs> always. Peace and reunion to you. Be seeing you, man. I hope you enjoy the stew. Peter Parker is here. Who does show? Leave me. No, it says like as long as there are cartoon butts, I'm I'm good. Okay, cool.